0: Welcome back to House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Housman. Take your shoes off, hat, coat, whatever you want. Throw them on the table. Go wherever you like. Wander around. Pet the dog. And you know what? Actually, no, no. Corral yourselves over here in the living room. Because sitting here next to the fireplace today, talking all things professional wrestling with us, our very good friend from comicbook.com, it is Connor Casey. Connor, thank you so much for returning to the House of Wrestling. It's lovely to be back in the house, Nick. How are you? It's great. And it was great getting to watch SummerSlam with you. Oh, nice. yeah. It was, it was like a live
1: commentary desk, just watching from 50 feet up.
0: Yeah, uh, what happened was, in the press box, I, I had, well, first of all, we had some of the best seats in the house. I really liked where the, the view we had, but I got to sit between you and Chris Van Vliet for four hours and watch SummerSlam and Hot Damn. That was a really fun trio, Connor. I really right. had a great time, you know?
1: Good time for a not great show, so that that made it better.
0: Man, yeah. It, you know what? Against all odds, was the Slim Jim Battle Royal the best part of SummerSlam?
1: Shoot, it might have been. Like, <laughs> like, like, I had Gunther Drew kind of pinned as the, oh, this will be the match that everybody loves because Gunther can't have a bad match. And I was like, even that felt underwhelming.
0: Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a friend uh, who was talking to the therapist, and uh, uh, somehow uh, they started talking about SummerSlam, and I came up, and their friend said, oh, tell your friend that I have a friend there was also at Summerslam working on the Slim Jam campaign and I was like, "Wait, what? This happened in your therapy? Also, find out who that was. Tell your therapist to give me their information." So this is this is how it goes in my life everybody. Um well, yeah, like I said, Summerslam was great with Connor and we got a lot of news to get to here today. If you're watching us in video form Tuesday Thursday noon Eastern, head on over to Premier Streaming Network. That's where you can find House of Wrestling first run in video form every Tuesday Thursday twice a week. Later in the afternoon, we put it up over on the podcast feed uh, over there and on our YouTube channel. You can find all kinds of great uh, House of Wrestling content. So support Premier Streaming Network. And, of course, if you like this show, go over to houseofwrestling.com. This show only exists because we are also a website that covers the news almost almost 24-7. It's a, it's a round-the-clock uh, kind of deal over there. Uh, everything you hear about here today, we will have written about on the site. Um, also, yesterday I released this exclusive House of Wrestling interview with Conan. Uh, that has been going everywhere here, it seems, in the last 24 hours. Uh, the highlights, uh, we did talk about the Roosh stuff. Uh, spoiler, Conan seems to think that my reporting was spot on. So whatever you want to take with that, go for it. Um, second, more importantly than that, Conan, and I did not know this before we recorded, and we always record while he's getting dialysis because he has kidney issues. That's the only time you get free to podcast. He's found a donor, C- Connor. And so Conan looks to be on the right path here. Very happy for that. But I guess the big news out of it is he reported that, or he didn't report it. He talked about Ortiz and Santana because there's been at odds. And he revealed that the reason that the kind of falling out happened between these two guys is because Santana just didn't like the AEW booking they were being given. And Ortiz was like, dude, just chill out. We're all getting paid. Why are you freaking out like this? And that caused a divide, and that's why they aren't on the same page. But it does sound like there is an opening there for the hatchet to be buried, and there's a lot more detail in there. But it was a suit. There's not, that's not even like the half of everything that's in there, Connor. We, me and Conan, we chopped it up pretty deep yesterday.
1: Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the Santana and Ortiz stuff floating around a lot yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I hope I, I hope that that hatchet has been buried because them holding the tag titles was just one of those things where it's like, okay, when are when are we getting to it? Because uh, it needs to have happened already.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I, I think with, if Santana and Ortiz can get back on the same page, you know, hey, let's dive on in. We're going to have Alpha Academy later, by the way. Spoiler alert. I should have got to that. But let's get to it here. While we're talking FTR, Young Bucks, Santana Ortiz, obviously uh, there's the big cash wheeler news that broke uh, this past Thursday. Uh, actually, it broke on Friday. Um, but he was he was arrested technically on Thursday night. I want to get real specific here because I did like a ton of reporting on Friday, including a little bit of uh, exclusive insight. Um, we're going to dive into this here in just a second. But the, I wanted to put a pin on the Santana Ortiz stuff. Man, at the end of FTR Young Bucks, wouldn't it be great if those guys returned as a duo to, like, confront them? It'd be. I've also seen people be like, wouldn't they make great uh, partners for? Eddie Kingston in the stadium stampede match. He's got three spots to fill. Well, no, it's
1: it's not him that has the spots to fill. It's Moxley.
0: Oh, that's right. It's It's BCC. It's a
1: turn if they show up there.
0: Sorry. How could I get so confused on this very well thought out and easy to follow road to AEW all in? Man, I,
1: I can't get mad about that because Eddie Kingston made his U.S. return in Nashville in front of me. Uh, So I'm good with that. It's true.
0: It was great. And that's right. Yes. He's got best friends. He's got Lucha brothers and, and Eddie Kingston versus BCC. Well, yeah, uh, I do believe that at Santana Ortiz, their last match together was on the side of BCC against the Jericho appreciation society. Correct. So what's old is new, right? I made that work in the end. Seven out of 10.
1: All Although right. Well, Santana will be like, "Yo, bro, you tore my ACL by making
0: me fight in this stupid cage match. And I'm like, cool. We'll get rid of the cage. We're just going to make it a stadium now. And you can go fight, every, fight anybody you want anywhere with anything. You can stab him if you like. And he's like, that's even worse. No, no, no. This is good. Sign the check. Um. All right. So let's talk about cash here. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through all the notes and then we'll dive into everything. So... uh. He turned himself in last Thursday night to Orlando authorities, pled not guilty. He's accused of a third-degree felony, uh, which can come with a five-year jail sentence. Um, he is being accused of aggravated assault with a firearm. He was given a $2,500 bond, told not to talk to the witnesses or victims, turn over all weapons to authorities. His passport was not taken, and he is free to travel. Now, there was the original arraignment hearing he had where the uh, it was described as a road rage type incident. And here is the uh, full police report that I'll read. If you haven't read the whole thing, uh, strap in. It'll take about 45 seconds to get through this. So this is from the officer that responded. Upon my arrival, I spoke to the victim, Daniel Matta, who provided me with a v- sworn written verbal statement that said the following. Matta stated that he was driving west on Interstate 4, north of exit 83. He noticed a Jeep Gladiator weaving in and out of traffic, honking its horn, so he moved over to the far right lane to let the Jeep pass. Matta said he The Jeep took the right shoulder to drive around him on the passenger side of his vehicle. Matta looked over and noticed a white male with a beard pointing a black semi-automatic handgun out of the driver's window at him with a strong stare. Matta said he feared for his life at this time. Matta stated he slowed down to get out of the way of the firearm and ended up behind the suspect vehicle at this time. At this time, both were committed to Exit 83, Ivanhoe Boulevard. Matta took pictures of the Jeep as it turned right onto College Park Drive and began to drive reckless. Matta said the Jeep bared Florida tag EFR C72. After taking the picture, Matta said he called 911 and gave the vehicle information to dispatch the details of what occurred. He explained he could not be late for work and asked an officer to meet him at his work, Orlando Luxury Motors, and there's the address, I created a photo lineup using Elvis, a database used by law enforcement for investigative purposes. Elvis selected five random photos based on the suspect's Florida driver's license picture and put them in a randomized order with the suspect being the sixth picture. Officer Blinn, number 34211, met with Mata, presented him with the photo lineup instructions and the photo lineup. Mata quickly selected the correct photo, or correct picture, photo number two of the suspect later identified as Daniel M. Wheeler. And here's his birthday, with 100% certainty. Based on Mattis' sworn statement and the positive photo lineup indication, probable cause exists to charge Wheeler with aggregated assault with a firearm violation. Um, Now, this is all wild. I was immediately wondering who knew what, where, when, um, because obviously this was all over the place. I reached out to multiple people throughout the day, starting as soon as the news broke. And at about five, six o'clock after hearing from at least two people, I would consider to be upper management and others in and around uh, management and talent for that matter. uh, I put out the report that, yeah, everybody's most everybody seemed to be caught off guard. Now, I will not lump in CM Punk, Tony Khan or Dax Harwood because I did not get confirmation on those three. But by and large, it was no secret. Nobody, nobody really knew what was going that this news was going to break. So, uh, Connor, that's the whole thing. What are your takeaways here from the Cash Wheeler situation? Uh,
1: the timing could not have been worse. No, I, I think after a week of nothing, but oh, CM Punk did this and he said this and he threw Ryan Nemeth and Daniels and Matt Hardy out of the backstage area, and all the fans are. I mean, it felt like the the tide of fandom was just like, can we just get past this? backstage crap and move on to what is supposed to be the biggest wrestling show of all time at Wembley and then this happens and it jeopardizes your semi-main with FTR versus Young Bucks 3 and then it's you know what what was the crime when did it happen people were asking all these questions what was the crime when did it happen why are people just now finding out about this now if the date was set for mid-July when this all took place right um it was it was just a cluster. Uh, I had to step away from it all because uh, we just bought a house and we just had our very first California <laughs> party. So I was kind of off the grid this weekend sure. uh, for most of the whole fallout from this. But from what I yeah. saw, it looked like a mess. And now that we're coming back to it, the answer seems to be yeah, this could be bad for him. It doesn't sound like the match is necessarily in jeopardy.
0: No, I had, I had, I had the fact that, so his passport wasn't taken so he can, it sounds like he can travel. And then MJF did some tweet defending him where he's like, look, you're all going to get the match. And Max is pretty locked in these days with top management. And so if he's saying something definitively like that, there's probably fire to that smoke. Fair
1: enough. And my only it was funny. The first thought that popped into my head was I thought of so many wrestling road stories that I've heard over the years. Same. And how tame this sounds relative to those. Same. The Steiners should be in jail 12 times over for the stuff they've done on a highway.
0: I also thought about the Steiners. (laughs) Hanging out windows. Hanging out windows. Holding
1: him while he's grabbing the door and rips the door. And you're just like, ah.
0: Part of me thinks that, like, I don't know. This is like, I don't want to say Tony likes it or that every like, but they're like, yeah, dude, this is this is some old school 70s Memphis heat here right now. Yeah. You don't mess with that guy. And look, the, the video footage of Cash uh, popping that guy who attacked Brett in the face uh, at the Hall of Fame from like six years ago. Mm-hmm. That is also resurfaced. And uh, obviously everybody was cool with it then because, you know, yeah. Cash did the right thing and punched that guy in the face. But obviously. He's, there's an edge to this man. <laughs> there's an edge to Cash Wheeler, right? The irony being that he's the quiet
1: one of the two. Like <laughs> whether it's promos, interviews, even matches, like Dax is the peacocking one. He's the loud, boisterous one.
0: Yeah, and it's almost, like eh, nope, he's, it's he's, like it's like it's like Cash has a silencer on him. Is that what you're saying?
1: I, you know that he could have a silencer on the whole thing. Yikes! That's exactly how someone would put it. Good, 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 It's not a look, but it's also like we're getting the match. And then do we deal
0: with the consequences after the fact? I would, I would, I, you are in such a small, you're in such a small window of time here The The other thing it kind of reminds me of, and we'll see how this all plays out. And by the way, Tony Khan has a media call here in about two hours uh, that I will be on. And I, I'm, are you going to be on the call here today, Connor? Oh yes, of course you are. All right. We'll be on the call. Follow both of our socials. If, if anything about this is addressed, we will be sure to bring it up. But, it kind of in a way reminds me of the Enzo Amore situation where he got released by WWE and it was like, it was a bad charge in the end. It does appear like, I think everything got dropped and he didn't face any punishment, wasn't arrested, but the fact he hid the fact he had this accusation against them from WWE. And if you remember, I think that was raw 1000 was that day or something like that. There was some huge WWE event going on that day when the end zone news broke. I Maybe not what that well, be 2000 like a, was
1: 2012. So no, it no.
0: would have been, it was like Roth 25, I think might've been. What that, that's, the end-
1: that, that's closer to it. I just, okay. all I remember is the ridiculous shoot interview he put out after the fact and like this weird, like basement thing. Yeah. I don't really know if you remember that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it was it was one of the recent anniversary. Yeah, because you're right. Raw 1000 was a CM Punk doing The Rock John. That was the Punk to heel yeah. turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was some major event. But anyway, the fact he hit it and the, WWE wasn't prepared for it and they already had so much other stuff going on they're just like, you, if we can't trust you for transparency purposes, to be real with this stuff when it comes up, we don't want you around. And that is basically what it boiled down to with Enzo, right? Yeah. In this situation, I, like I said, I ha- I don't know if Punk... Harwood or Tony knew, if these people all knew and we're just trying to keep this under wraps or ignore it or hope it went away or or for whatever reason, it didn't tell everybody else in the company. I'd like to know why. Right. Because I know there were people that co- were caught off guard by this. Um, but if they didn't know, um, you know, I-, I can foresee a world in which for the next six days, this is just push through don't say anything block and tackle and on the other side of it ftr maybe disappears for a little bit here i mean there's way too much tied up in this show people's livelihoods you're we're, we are now officially in uh, let me make sure i read this right most paid attendance ever for a pro wrestling event territory and this is one of your marquee matches this is there's so much tied up in this i totally understand going through with it um but i would like to know if on the other side of it they plan on doing anything if they didn't know cuz I don't know the, the whole thing is smells very very weird to me Connor
1: and the funny thing is is that nothing about the build to this match screamed FTR losing I, I was v- based on just the television product this felt like hey Dax and Cash get kind of the rubber match win here and then we move on from this right and now you have to wonder if they give it to the Bucks was that always the plan or was that the audible that they had to call because, hey, this dude's suddenly in legal trouble? Yeah. And does that taint what is arguably one of the best tag team programs AEW has ever had to offer?
0: I mean, no matter this, there's always going to be like a weird story behind this match, right? It's never just going to be the match, right? It's going to be the match and the story around the match. And that's why I think, you know, if you've got Santana and Ortiz healthy, Bucks beating FTR FTR powders Santana Ortiz come back huge pop immediately put the focus on Bucks Santana Ortiz and then you can kind of just let FTR deal with things because as this case is like in limbo I mean just rereading the facts of the matter here where there's like photos of his car there's like this randomized Elvis test with like other people that look a lot like him and the person is able to still pick him out this I don't know. I, I've also heard from people that say these kind of cases get dropped if there's not a substantial amount of evidence in it and it could just yeah. go away. So I don't know. I, I'm not a law. I'm not a lawyer, Connor, but it seems weird to me, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 It's uh it, it's a sticky situation. One that unfortunately, AEW keeps running into whether it's Jeff or punk or this. I, I'm just like, can we get out of the courtroom,
0: please? I just, I, 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 I could this guy know and keep it a secret? I had somebody else tell me like people always don't always know if there's warrants out for their arrest. Right. Um, so like maybe he was caught off guard by this. I guess that's in the realm of possibility as well. Um, we'll find out. We'll find out. There's more to see here. Um, on the note of the punk stuff, a couple people punk that has been at odds with, um, popped up Wednesday night on dynamite after dynamite in the ring of honor tapings that usually take place on Saturdays during collision. Those people were Colt Cabana, Ryan Nimmoth, and Christopher Daniels. Um, this is uh Man, what's going on, Connor? Like, man, what's going on here? What's happening? I mean Mate, your guess is good as mine. You're the improv guy. You tell me. Look, it just seems like uh, even by man, and, and again, I'm I'm all for them like working things out, finding territory, right? But now you're, like, having to bring ROH production stuff along. You're having to do full turnovers to, like, accommodate people. I would love to see what Tony Khan's DMs look like. They have to just be, like, the sweetest of threads on the Wrestling Observer newsletter forums or whatever they're called, you know? What, oh what, my god. What
1: kills me is Daniels being the head of talent relations. Sure. Like, the fact that he has to thread a needle around this where it's like, hey, you are literally front office but we will not let you come to certain shows because this one guy doesn't like you.
0: Well, I kind of think punk wants his own front office. Doesn't that feel like this? What he like? They he wants to have your at, own company. Out that's, of what I, that's what I think. That's what I think they want. I think that punk he wants like, the, this is AEW and this is a CMW over here. And they're different companies. There's different heads. There's different heads of talent relations, different roster, maybe even different referees, referees that, you know, have their back turned when managers cheat, that kind of stuff. I don't know, right? We're all just spitballing here, ideas of what CM Punk's hypothetical ACMW fed looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it feels like they're drifting closer and closer to like having full-on kind of two separate running companies with their own management, and their own rosters. And and, and
1: the, the argument would be so easy to just say, hey, Punk, enough of this crap. Either, you know, go along to get along or get out. The problem is that collision is consistently a better show than dynamite each week.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's look, there's so much going on here, right? Uh, Do we know punk wants to still be there? Does he already want to leave? Is there a reason? Tony Khan wants him to stay. How long is punk's contract? There's like all these factors to hold into consideration. I do think that, I think that Tony just from the surface, just looking at it, it feels like he wants these guys running their own, companies and kind of giving them their own flavor and he just kind of walks in and helps with things and gives his input and final say or whatever but i kind of get the vibe he he like kind of wants them running their own two companies i don't know just how it feels to me
1: it's hard to say and the most frustrating thing about it and i feel like we're going to run into that same brick wall today with the call is that tony's not saying anything he's not He's not saying one way or the other how he feels about this stuff. It's all just no comment. Can't talk about that. Moving on. Can't say anything. Even though he has openly admitted his lack of public communication is what kind of spawned the whole Colt Cabana CM Punk issue in the first place. Where he's like, I should have just nipped this in the bud when the rumors were popping up last year. And I didn't. And I made that mistake. He went on the record and said that. Yes. And he's making the same mistake again.
0: It's kind of that genie in the bottle thing, isn't it? Like, what's the genies out of the bottle? Genie's yeah,
1: out, homie. But Rob I Williams know. is singing
0: a second musical number. Well, do there's, something. There's also this fear, I think, with Tony and AEW of, of losing somebody and having WWE take them like they did Cody and make them a huge deal, right? He doesn't want to see that happen to Punk. He doesn't want to see that happen with the Elite. So what do we do? Right, and they know that's what Tony doesn't want happening, and so there's like this. It's not like a. It's not in a, It's not an. It's not love. It's like a like, right? It's not rooted in a deep. This isn't Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon ride or die, right? Like there's there's not that attitude. It would seem there's no. a different kind of like tacit acknowledgement here, seemingly going on between these parties that is solely rooted in business, solely hundred percent. You know, I don't want to lose money or face. I don't want to lose money or face. Alright, cool, then you do your thing, I'll do my thing And we'll just keep pushing it around And if you've got that kind of clout in AEW right now It seems like you can get away with a lot <laughs> A that, lot that, that definitely seems to be the case Consistently um, Well, you talked about Collision being your preferred show, Connor um, I watched Dynamite this past Wednesday with my wife I uh, was because... there so that
1: yeah. I also watched it with my significant other
0: Yeah, she, my wife thought there was way too much talking And she liked the women's wrestling But the rest of it Hit or miss? How
1: how did she not start with what the hell was the Texas chainsaw thing? Because that was the oh, story. she left. Oh, she good. left. Smart. She left.
0: She came back in the room. I go. Oh, Leatherface was just on TV. She's like, great. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the
1: like. I get. I saw the reaction immediately of like that might be the worst thing AEW has put to TV. It was a strange experience to sit there in the crowd and watch it because. <sighs> You see, so here's what happened. Jeff walks. Out, Hardy walks out. He does his usual intro for the fans. Then he walks to the to uh right in front of where I was sitting, honestly, because I was opposite sure. the entrance ramp. And then ninety percent of the match takes place basically behind the bleachers on one side. Okay. And he works all the way way back up, and you're like, okay, this is the finish, right? Nope. Another ten minutes of this crap, and half of that involving somebody in a mask. Yeah. It was, it was rough.
0: Yeah, it was a rough watch. Um, it wasn't my least favorite part of the show. Um, there was, look, I'm just not digging the the MJF Cole stuff. Really, uh, you're like, no. you're on an island on that one, man. That's... It doesn't appear that way anymore, Connor, because I got the WrestleNomics like viewership back. Sure. And uh, you know they did, they were up from the week before, but I had never seen a straight red line. On the quarter hours for an episode of Dynamite, this one started at 9:46. Lost viewers every quarter hour except the third, where they remained flat. That's a win, and but they uh, down by the last quarter hour down to 738,000. Hemorrhaged over 200,000 viewers from start to finish. Um, I I there was I I think the you had a hokey horror movie. You had a hokey buddy cop movie. You had a hokey like quasi kung fu thing with whatever Bullet Club Jim Ross and Ken- Kenny Omega were doing. That right?
1: was that was an Eric Andre skit.
0: That was again, you just,
1: but you just uh, hard cut from Jim Ross looking very confused to an immediate jump cut of Jay White just slamming Kenny in the back with a massive and, and I
0: would I would argue that uh uh Eric, or Eric Andre yeah. stole that from kung fu. Oh that that, those those kinds of cutaways, those kinds of shots, that's a late night kung fu movie if I've ever seen it, right? And so you just had all this stuff that looks like B movies. It doesn't feel big to me, right? Like the Cole, the coal MJF stuff. Look, I got high in college and used the, the film equipment I was given as well. I didn't put it on national television, although maybe some of it I should have. Some of it was gold, I'm sure. Um, It just doesn't feel big. And, you know, going into AEW All-In, I'm, you know, a match where there's, like, you really want to see somebody get their ass kicked. And I don't see any match on this card where I'm just like, I can't wait to see that person get their ass kicked. Not one single match on any of it, the entire card.
1: It's hard to, so I'll start with the Dynamite issue. Okay. Because the last time Dynamite was in Nashville prior to this past week was in February of the year prior. And that was, it started with Punk in the Ring giving the Will You Be My Valentine promo. Yeah, And the show honestly was off to the races from there. And it was a really, it was was a fun event. Danielson versus Moriarty. uh, Thunder Rosa had like a street fight type thing that wound up in the bleachers. We all thought she was about to trip and fall and seriously injure herself. Uh, It was, it was a fun show. And then Jay White, that was like out of nowhere. It's like, Hey, I'm wrestling on rampage. Uh, I'm still very much in new Japan right now. And comparing that to this, it felt like dynamite was firing on all cylinders at the time because it had everybody at its disposal. And I look at this now and it's like, you're kind of you're you're basically trying to throw out your best shot with only one good hand. You, you don't have you don't have everything at your disposal for the entire show. So it's half of your best effort because half of your talent is on the other show, and they don't want to talk to the guys on Wednesday nights. Right. And it's 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 hampering the product at this point. I'm not saying that they can't still put on good shows week to week. It just feels like less than compared to what you could do a year and a half ago. Yeah. As for All In, man, I, 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 I'm, I, I guess I'm against you on this. I think what MJF and Adam Cole are doing is excellent, and I think a lot of the tension around the match is – some folks still don't want to see this end after the fact. They they want to see the, the friendship continue. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I think I think so much of what has made the story work is that it's always going to lead to somebody betraying somebody else. And you know, and but then there was this massive pushback even before the last pay-per-view of like, no, we don't want to see these two break up. We want to see them still be friends. It's like, no, guys, the reason you have two unlikely enemies become friends is that eventually one turns on the other this is wrestling that's how it works because then you lead to the match where they hate each other and beat the ever-loving piss out of each other that's what we still have to get to so you know all in at this point i just look at it as it's a massive crowd it's a it's a success it it would have been a success no matter what they threw out there I'm glad that there's still matches that I just genuinely want to see. And if it winds up surprising me, great. It's honestly, it's like the first forbidden door. You know, did yeah. it have all the dream matchups? I wanted not even close. Couldn't blame them for it because half the roster was injured at the time. Sure. But that show still wound up being the best they had done up to that
0: point. I, I know. I, It's a, it, I, it, it's, definitely a, a flavor of ice cream thing for me because I just, you know, If I look at a card and I can't vivid, if I can't, if I look at a card and I can't think of how we got to this match, like how did this all come together? What was the ride like to this match? Doesn't usually grab me, right? You know, and I just look at this card and there's just so much there where I'm just like, okay, this is a lot of people. There's a lot of people I like. I don't really know why they're all fighting in a lot of circumstances. And then when you have your biggest match, the the Adam Cole MJF stuff, your Marquee bout, I would just. I would just like to see a little more heat and it's just not there. And like, if you love them, great. If you want to watch two baby faces. Awesome. I guess there's a market for that, but traditionally the formula that has made people tons and tons of money is one guy you love and another guy who you want to see get your, get their ass kicked. Mm. Right. And you draw a lot of money that way. And that's just not, that's just not the road to AEW all in. And I think the, the path they've chosen is very much the niche hardcore fans which is why it's so weird to me that this is the largest show of all time. There's just a miss, I don't know, disconnect there in my mind between those two things.
1: And I think a lot of fans just want the show not to suck so that they can do this again in a year where they right. can fill up another stadium.
0: Mm-hmm. And even the even the FTR Young Bucks stuff where it was like, you know, this was, again, like people kind of love both these guys. wasn't a real clear here face. All that's out the window now with all the Cash Wheeler stuff. Like there's the, the whole vibe is different. And, you know, I guess Osprey Jericho, but again, I'm not like emotionally invested in that one. I think Kenny Omega, Jay White heads up would have probably been stronger. Than... Oh,
1: there there's ways you could have made this card stronger immediately. Give me Eddie Claudio again, because yeah. Eddie's eternal hatred for Claudio is basically fueling a te- a 12-man tag match. Uh, Jay White yeah. versus Kenny. Uh, Kenny versus Coda. You know, it was I supposed have done... to be
0: Kenny versus Danielson. Like, there's I don't know one. why we didn't. I, I don't know why we're not doing J. White, CM Punk. I thought from the, a day one of Collision, it seemed like they were doing a great job of cre- creating the little Bullet Club Gold faction, CMFTR. Ricky Starks was running around, but they were they've been protecting Jay White so much, yeah. and maybe they're just trying to protect him a little bit further by burying him in these tag matches. They got bigger plans for him later, but I don't know when else you're gonna pull the trigger on these big matches unless you it's your biggest show of all time you know
1: and then, but then for some unknown reason a reason i still have never gotten a good explanation on you've got another pay-per-view the ex- the one week later oh man and then grand slams like a couple weeks after that like you've diluted this because it's like okay but we have to save stuff for the next one no the other one doesn't have eighty thousand plus people in it give me your best shot here and they're not doing man. that
0: I am so interested to see what all out weekend is like Starcast going on, all this stuff going on. Starcast Overload.
1: being nowhere near where the actual <laughs> event is. Like I had people asking me, Hey, what should I do for like a hotel? I'm like, which one are you really covering? The convention or the show? Cause you're not splitting the difference. Here,
0: here's 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 a little here's a little scoop ski for everybody on Starcast. So uh I was talking to Conrad. About bringing it because we've done it once. We did Starcast Improv once, like two, three years ago. It was really fun. It was super successful, and I was like, "Dude, it's a year to the day. Punk made my improv career famous." We got to do Starcast Improv again, All Out Weekend, and he was like, "Oh man, that sounds great." A Good Conrad impression, right? And so he's like, "But the only problem was, and this is when this was the, very early on when Starcast was putting put together." He's like, "The the they're at the United Center, and Starcast is out in the Burbs." Right. And so like if you wanted to do this late night kind of drunk improv show with all the wrestlers and fans and stuff, it wouldn't start till like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just sit on it. And to be fair, we've sat on it and I don't think it's happening <laughs> no, and,
1: and forget about like media guys being there that would they, they wouldn't get there till
0: three <laughs> no and I'm supposed to run it no thank you yeah. um, but no I, I'm very happy for everybody going out to Starcast and stuff but it'll be I'll be interested to hear the stories with the travel it's definitely a different dynamic um, all right let's move over to some WWE news here real quick then we'll get to, to Alpha Academy wrap up the show um, edge defeated Sheamus this past Friday night on Smackdown in the post show comments he didn't commit to retiring Fightful saying that there is speculation he could be AEW bound, as Adam Copeland, of course. Uh, and on Sportsnet he did an interview where he confirmed this was his final match in his contract, but his official contract ends at the end of September. So off the table, it would seem for AEW all in. Unless he's a liar, which sometimes wrestlers lie. Wrestlers lie. <laughs> I want that on a t shirt. Wrestlers lie. That'd be a good shirt. Um what do you think? Edge AEW? It feels that way, doesn't it? I think if he was retiring, he would have said so. Agreed.
1: There was no better time to do it than in front of your hometown crowd. You got the main event of SmackDown. You won. Your wife's there. Your daughters are there. Just say it if that was the retirement. The fact that he didn't tells me that the door is open. And then you go look back at reports like Tony wanted him back when this thing started. Mm, Yeah, And that was before you had Christian. And now Christian is genuinely one of the most entertaining things about the product right now
0: agreed agreed
1: and and edge even even in his early years coming back like he kept emphasizing like i just want good matches i just want fun and they bogged it down with stuff like the randy saga but he just wanted to go up against guys he hadn't had the chance to wrestle yet and have good matches you got a whole roster full of people you haven't done that with
0: man and what good timing right because uh right now tony's in the of the warner brothers discovery negotiations he's trying to get that billion dollar bag and if he can say with a straight face to warner brothers hey i'm gonna put that money to good use edge you ever heard ever heard of him heard of him you He'll think you know him we got him. you think you think you know him we got him he's here he's with us now right i mean it's just it's a good time for him he's gonna i hope he picks up another bag i don't know if i see another full run Right? Because he's, he's been talking about how banged up he is, but I think he's only 49, mm-hmm. not quite 50. I mean, look the way they've handled Jericho and Sting, where those guys kind of get to pick their spots and do what they want and work with who they want. We'll we'll see. I think it's totally on the table.
1: Here's a, a random tangent that I, I have to throw in simply it. because there was a clip of a young Darby Allen and Sting appearing at a random-ass independent show Attacking Ar Fox to continue the storyline. It, it wasn't a random. It was Ar Fox's promotion. But we 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 got Sting on a random indie in 2023, and I just I looked at it and I went, you know what?
0: He's better than Ric Flair.
1: Because could you imagine Rick pulling crap like this at that age? Hell no. You
0: know who he is? He's full on Terry Funk now. He I mean, is. he he is. He, Sting is this generation.
1: 10 retirements. Like, he just keeps going.
0: Yeah. I'm waiting for him to do the ladder spot. Like, he may do it at Wembley. Like, I'm waiting for him to just sit there and spin around at that ladder and then it become his final form, Terry Funk. He's diving off stuff now, right? It's all just clubbering all the time. May as well have Devon Eriks in his corner, the way he works his style these days.
1: And this, somehow this run is more entertaining than 15 years ago when he was in TNA.
0: Jeez, and look, I know Tony, look, Tony Khan said this is the, Sting's best run ever. I don't know that that's, I don't even know that you could compare to him in his prime.
1: I, I think there's an argument for a few eras in WCW, yes. Yes,
0: but outside of the WCW stuff, I think that, yeah, the AEW run has is above WWE for sure, and uh, above the TNA stuff, which... You know, I need For the hits there were misses.
1: <laughs> I need Excalibur to
0: scream,
1: This is what it feels like, Sting! when he shows up at Wembley. Oh my. God.
0: Um, well, somebody else is coming back to the fold Here is John Cena. Now, the Observer was saying this morning uh, that John's coming back. He's been wanting to come back ever since the SAG-AFTRA strike started, so that's probably why he has money in the bank. Ironic
1: uh, that he wants to do this so badly while Gewertz is on an interview last week saying, yeah, Dwayne's not going to show up because it's not a good look while the SAG strike is happening.
0: John don't care. John just wants to keep the money coming in, right? If he can't, just loves
1: wrestling. He just loves I think, WWE.
0: I think John loves wrestling, and I think John loves money. Um, And I don't want to be too uh, jaded when I say that, but look, if, if your pipeline of money comes in, you're living an expensive lifestyle if you're John Cena. You see that man's house? See that man's cars? I mean, it, if the money stops coming in, you still got bills to pay on all that stuff. You still got uh, property taxes to pay, right? Yeah. I think that it's one part love of wrestling, another part this is maybe a safe middle ground he can get away with picking up some big bags of cash keep that lifestyle rolling just a thought Mm -hmm. anyway he's coming back next friday on smackdown um he's also going to be traveling to india for their premium live event on september 8th uh he's confirmed he's going to be wrestling but of course is it a premium live event oh no it's a live event i guess it's maybe not a ple yeah
1: it it, it, it won't be on it won't be live on peacock that's that's is it not it that's From what I understand, it's airing locally on their Sony affiliates, but it won't, it won't stream live like it does here. I could be wrong, but that was, Mm -hmm. that was what I was.
0: I'm going to have to go boot up my tape trading forums here, find a copy of it, you know? Um, Okay. Not a premium live event. My bad. Thank you, Connor, for the correction there, but he'll be back. He's going to India to do this show, but he will be, if he's coming back next Friday, that's the day before payback, which is a premium live event uh, the next day in Pittsburgh. So what's going on here, man? What do you? Who, he's coming back. He wants to wrestle. He's gonna be on the Friday before Payback. Pick your spot. Who do you think? Who do you think's getting the rub here?
1: Selfishly, I want a loser leaves WWE match between oh. him and Austin Theory. Oh, and I want Theory kicked the hell out of this company. Wow. No, no, not, not really. I, I don't wow. want to see him lose the job. I just thought that the United States Championship reign was so hilariously underwhelming, and sure. that guy needs something and okay. whatever they got it ain't working and i thought cena burying the hell out of him was just one more nail in the coffin way back in april but or wasn't it March? it was march uh realistically i think uh your boys teaming up with la night for something and giving the rub to the new rising star right now
0: okay against like miz and somebody
1: somebody it him and probably grayson waller or maybe theory gives him something to do oh.
0: See, okay, I saw Cody say he wants the match. He and... wants the match. I think
1: I, I think I don't think John would do it without build. Like he would, know. he would want that to be on a, a Mania or a SummerSlam where we've got a couple of months of promos going back and
0: forth. Does doesn't the thing that make the most sense like gender, right? For payback to set up a rematch at Superstar Spectacle. I mean, if you're gonna bring it back and you're really trying to get that India market over and make gender feel important on eight days notice putting him in a match with cena seems like the way to satiate fans in india and and get the job done for lack of a better word you know i don't know if he comes out on friday and gender confronts him and Nick, gender we, over dirty maybe a payback we, i don't know we
1: lived through 2017 i don't need to see it again and it was- gender is as canadian as bret hart They're from the same <laughs> town
0: I wanna know how he feels about that. Well, I mean he's obviously got Indian heritages. So yes, I, I get you know. where his family is from, but dude right. was born in Calgary. Yes, I know. He's a Canadian boy. As are the Bollywood boys for that matter. Um yeah, I uh I don't know. It just seems like – because did Ginder and Cena work in twenty seventeen? Were they at odds? No, it was like Orton, wasn't it? No, it was-, it was
1: Orton, then it was Nakamura in a weirdly racist program, and then it was AJ. Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know if we've got I don't know if we've seen Ginder Cena. Um, I I could be wrong. I don't think I need to, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) Well, but again, that Indian market, man. The
1: I don't know market is no lie. But all of that could just take place on the house show. I'm I'm fine with that. I don't know.
0: I I I I I think they're definitely onto something with La Knight. But I'm just bracing everybody. My gut says the way Nick Con thinks is, oh, John, you want to come back? You want to help the company? Cool. We need you to work with gender. We're going to India, and John would probably be like, "How much?" And then they tell him, and he goes, "Okay." My my (laughs) only counter to that is that
1: gender's going to draw regardless. John is going to draw regardless, so why not have them in separate matches?
0: Because if it's not going to be a premium live event, I think you're just hinging it on the one big marquee match and an undercard. To be fair, to be honest, right? You could do two matches with them and try to tell two stories, but. If this isn't something you're putting on Peacock and you're just trying to give fans in India like a a once-in-a-lifetime memorable thing, that's what they want to see. They want to see somebody that they can identify with going up against one of the biggest stars in the company, right? I think you kill two birds with one stone with with John and and gender. We'll see. You know, I I just it makes business sense to me. Um, Roman Reigns, Courtney Observer, not booked for payback. Not going to be on the show.
1: This is my shocked face.
0: Look how shocked I am. Not booked. And... Jimmy J, also not booked. That's going to be held off for a bigger premium live event, maybe Survivor Series. Um, the the bloodline was noticeably absent on Friday night. Um, your thoughts on State of the Bloodline, man? You know, Heyman says bottom of the third. I feel like we're getting into the seventh inning stretch right now, my friend. I feel like the game should
1: have wrapped up back in April.
0: <laughs> and a lot of people are feeling that way, Connor. A lot of people uh,
1: are feeling that. Every, as every month passes, I feel more vindicated in the uh, fact that Cody should have freaking won. Because guess who was on the the centerpiece of Raw last night? Good old Cody Rhodes spinning his wheels. Wouldn't mm-hmm. have to be if he had the championship.
0: That's why I say it's like he's open right now for a Cena match. He's not. He's not really doing anything. It could be Cena. It could be Cena Cody at payback and then Cena Jinder and that Cena
1: Cody on a day's bill. And I don't think either of them is okay with that.
0: I don't know, man. Depends on the finish, right? Depends on the story. If it's the start of something with the two of them, as opposed to just like... I mean, there
1: were people thinking that I was thinking that back it with Cena theory was that it was going to be um a program here's as opposed you- to one promo where I bury the hell out of you and a mediocre match where you cheat to beat me.
0: Here's where you do here's what you do, Connor. And I think we all know what you do here. You do Cody and Cena on last minute's notice, and then you have Cena go over dirty. And you Are we pushing for the heel turn in 2023, man? John, you want to come back? You want to do one more run while your buddies are on strike? You want to make some money? You want to get Cody over to the next, next level to keep him hot going into Roman next year at WrestleMania, which, by the way, 90,000 tickets sold, highest highest gate of all time. That's just, if you're going to do it, again, what's the story? You do it on last second notice. People tune in. Oh, that's cool. They're going to do this. Cena fucking nuts him, Connor. Just right in the balls, right? Cena is going
1: to be like, uh, Nick, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, I turned it's, heel during the uh, Firefly Funhouse match. And this, it.
0: It's its time, right? This is the Hogan years. Me? This is the Hollywood Hogan years for Cena. Cody is the guy. A- and Cody versus a shady John Cena? Dude, and then it works even better if John's heel and you have him go in there against gender in India as a smoking hot baby face? Goddamn! This all makes a shit ton of sense, Connor.
1: It made, a, it made a ton of sense a decade ago when they were legitimately talking about this, and they're not talking about it now.
0: Well, I right. am. I I'm talking about it. Alright, anyway. Raw last night. We're real quickly. Uh, Kevin Owens back, but he kind of selling like he got injured again in the main event. Maybe too well. A lot of people thought he got hurt again. Um, and Chad Gable defeated Gunther via countout. It looks like we'll get that, that run was back and payback. Lex,
1: that was a Lex Luger finish if I have ever seen one. The whole, I'm celebrating because it's a countout. And you're like, guys come
0: on we we'll we, we knew this didn't work 25 years ago run it back it'll be gunther it'll be gunther and chad at payback and then yeah. and then i think that smackdown after payback would be like right at the 453 mark day or yes. right after one or the other
1: yes so. and i and i would very much like to see honky tonk man come out and try to issue a challenge to keep his record alive and guther just smacks him <laughs>
0: honky-tonk man would piss his pants he's an old man now um lastly here before we get to the uh uh the end of the show uh ovw getting a docuseries on netflix called wrestlers you watch the trailer yet i have yes looks great
1: it's i mean it's interesting it's it's uh it and the monster factory show that apple ran earlier this year it seems like this is the new genre um of looking at wrestling schools like this and i'm I'm curious how they're trying to spin this one with OVW because they're not shying away from the fact that, hey, this used to be a really big deal for people to work here. It's not so much anymore.
0: It, it does seem like they're going to kind of confront that head on. I mean, they tease that they're like, Al Snow is not good with money. I love that just straight fact in the promo. And you see Al sitting there dealing with these business people and he's like, you all don't fucking understand the pro wrestling business. God damn it. You know, I think but, it's a good, it's a better. The, you didn't see that with Monster Factory. It was all no, about the he, talent. Danny was presented as like a godlike figure. I don't think they're going to do that with Al, and I think that'll be for the benefit.
1: But I also raised the eyebrow a little bit when they labeled him as a, uh, an all time legendary professional wrestler. He and is. That, that screen grab caught a bit of guff on him. Uh,
0: he so- is. Uh, look, Al Snow is a legend in this business. Worked with uh, Janetti, uh, oh, right? Well, yeah, he's worked with plenty of people. Everybody, everybody, right? I have no problem saying Al Snow is a legend in this business. I guess I'm also tainted because I got to work a lot with Al in the Midwest and uh, just seeing how, man, how he holds court, how many people Al has really helped elevate and get to the next level. Real quick, before I throw it out, we'll throw it the end of the show here, but I have one quick Al Snow story, and I shared this maybe a time or two years ago. But when I was a manager one time, uh, I was working against Al, and um, one of my favorite things to do is choke people when they're on the second rope while the referee's back is turned. It'd be gone by the time the ref turns around. Sure. Um, and the wrestler brings Al over to the second rope, puts Al on the rope. I didn't know the spot was coming. I'm on like the other side of the ring. He starts to back the ref off, and I just book it. And I couldn't, I couldn't get like, I couldn't, I couldn't jump up onto my knee to choke him. So I did this like baseball slide across the ring apron and just kind of got over him like this for a second. And in like the two seconds, I'm there getting the heat. He's like, I'm bouncing up and down with him. And he's, <laughs> he goes, thank you. <laughs> and, he, and he thanked me as I'm choking him. And I like rolled out and was gone. And it was just such a beautiful moment. I'm laying there hiding from the referee. I'm like, did that guy just thank me for choking him? It's weird.
1: So the spot over. It, right. that was the commentary like a
0: bizarre feat of athleticism from nick hausman well my name is ronaldo piven um right. thank you um no i don't know what the commentator said i don't, need to watch your bag i guess all right everybody uh hey connor we're running a little long here this interview is about five minutes do we want to do we want to do the closing thoughts and then i close the show with alpha academy so you can leave or stick around or whatever you want
1: uh yeah let's do closing
0: let's do close all right audible Um, I will start by saying, uh, before we throw to Alpha Academy, thank you all for tuning in. I'll be back on Thursday. Our good friend Matt Kuhn is going to be in the house here chatting with me. And we will also be airing my SummerSlam interview with Zoe Stark. Um, And that's a great interview. Very excited to bring that one to everybody. Uh, Go check out the How podcast feed, House of Wrestling podcast feed. I have an interview tomorrow. Uh, Connor, I know there are a lot of people out there that love me, stop me in the streets, thank me for the hard work I do. There are also other people out there that hate me, think that I am a reckless clown of a journalist. Throw muffins at you, the whole thing. Throwing muffins, that's fine. I love you all, and uh, regardless if you like or hate me, I would really, really, really appreciate you checking out this interview I'm dropping tomorrow with a guy named Lucas Middlebrook. Um, It'll be on the podcast feed and the YouTube channel tomorrow. Lucas is a labor lawyer. He represented Leslie Smith in her quest to unionize the UFC fighters. I've spoken with Lucas in the past, and he's back to chat with me about the class action lawsuit that has been filed against the UFC. Um, Are you familiar with this suit, Connor? I've heard bits and pieces about it. Basically it's a class action suit representing fighters from 2010 to 2017 where um, predatory practices of Dana White and UFC have been uncovered. uh, Really abusive contracts where uh, people are basically signing their whole lives over because they have to execute a certain amount of fights, but if they don't like you, then they just don't have you fight, and then so you're just locked up forever, or if you want to take a fight to get your contract rolling, they'll put you up against somebody really bad that can possibly hurt you in the prelims or something like that, in a bad spot on the card, all kinds of weird predatory practices about how they treat their fighters. Um, they might be on the hook for between $800 million $1.6 billion to be divided up against the fighters in that particular class action lawsuit, and uh, it would, if successful force ufc to change the way they do business with their fighters um a couple things that we get into first of all how is this different how is the outcome of this case different than what would happen if they unionized right second of all ufc is about to share space with wwe formally as part of a publicly traded company Hmm. with the scrutiny that is being placed on how UFC has treated their performers, locking them into these contracts, taking advantage of them, making sure they're getting the bare minimum, not necessarily covering all their expenses. Will that raise questions about the way that WWE has classified their performers and treated them over the years? Hot damn, 22 minutes. This one is all killer, no filler. It is, uh, for the, for the good of the business. I hope everybody checks it out and asks a lot of questions because he, uh, Boy, when I get to the closing question to, to Lucas, and I go, How, uh, You've watched Ari Emanuel up close run the UFC for years now. What can WWE performers expect under Endeavor's leadership? The answer is not good. I'll leave it at that. So, a uh, Banger, are not Reebok kicks. <laughs> a banger, straight banger dropping tomorrow, Lucas Middlebrook. All right, Connor, anything you want to plug, put over here before we throw the Alpha Academy?
1: Yeah, just uh, you can follow all my stuff over at Connor Casey CB, uh, all my writing over at uh, comicbook.com under the wrestling section. Myself, Matt Aguilar, Liam Crowley. We're doing some great stuff right now. We'll obviously have full coverage of All In this weekend. Uh, I am planning on being in Chicago. For, I got my all my credentials set up. Now I'm just getting travel lined up uh, to be it All Out in Chicago the week after. And obviously we got payback coming up. Uh, you can find me live every Friday morning over at Comic Book Nation on the podcast. I'm live in studio in beautiful downtown Nashville. And, uh, yeah, we've got some, uh, got some more projects in the works right now that I think uh, y'all will really be excited to see. So stay awesome. tuned.
0: Support Connor, support me, everybody. I'd tell you to get your shoes, get your hat, but we're not quite done here. Stick around because I'm about to throw on the old projector here. And let's go back to SummerSlam as we wrap up the show here today with me talking with WWE superstars. Alpha Academy. Hey, welcome to House of Wrestling. It's me, Nick Hausman. At this time, I'm joined by one of the most entertaining acts in all of WWE. It is Alpha Academy. Thank you three for taking the time to chat with me today. Absolutely. Well, you guys obviously had this banger match with the Viking Raiders recently. Bang. Bang. Yeah. yeah, had a banger match with Viking uh, the Viking Raiders. How do you guys feel when you get put into a situation to have to wrestle on a big boat like that? What do, you, do you enjoy these kinds of matches? Think,
2: think about what you just said. It's so <laughs> weird what we, this life we live. But, like, yes, we wrestled on a big boat. And not only that, and I'll just reference my like the five-minute thing with Gunther the other night. So it's like I've been doing some of these off-the-wall different kind of deals that we don't usually do on Monday Night Raw recently, right? And in my head, I'm like, go back to my days of being like, no, I'm just this good technical wrestler. I just want to have these, like, art pieces of matches you know that that stand the test of time but then like you have these viking rules match and it was so much fun and it was awesome just pure carnage and then you're happy to do that kind of stuff and same with the five minute thing it was like i didn't want to do that like in my head i'm like i just want to do normal match but then the people were eating it up and being able to count along and and count down with it and everything it's like this is the kind of stuff i live for man i'm falling in love with it
0: yeah, for sure. And man, that was quite a performance, by the way, since you brought it up here against Gunther, man. How was it to get in there and show people that you could be that physical and hang with a guy on that kind of level right now?
2: Especially on a night when I didn't expect it because we were all focused on her, like, big debut that night, which was awesome. Um, but to get thrown in there with the ring general, who I've been told by so many people, like, oh, we want to see you Russell Gunther, that'd be such a good match. And I, and personally, I know that and I want it. But to just get to do it out of nowhere and you saw the result, like, it was... Like, maybe just a taste of what could possibly come out of a bigger match with a little bigger build and stuff, which I'm hoping we get to or I'm planning on getting to. So.
0: Well, Maxine, yeah, he brought up your debut. Uh, Valhalla, she, she, was vi- she was physical. She came out with that shotgun knee out of the gate. How was it to be in there for your first time one-on-one with such a physical competitor like that?
2: Yeah, I got rocked a little bit in the beginning. Okay. But I made a comeback, okay. My training kicked in. Yeah. I locked in, I got my head in the right space and ended up on top and I you know, it's all a lesson and I, I gotta stay focused next time in the beginning and I can't be distracted by what her little boys are doing on the outside, little so boys. now little I know. Yeah, boys. little toddlers <laughs> running around.
0: Uh, big hairy men. You t- you are a big hairy man, and so are the Viking Raiders. Do you like when you get to go in there with guys that have that same kind of bulk that you do?
2: Yeah, man. I you know they got the they got the cool gear and everything. I don't think I would look cool in that, but they they definitely pull it <laughs> off. Um, I really um, but no big big uh, big eye man. Who he's a load man. When I tried to catch him, I couldn't even get her. So. Thank God we're still on the offense there, and, it take, and basically we got a move called Drop the Groceries. And that means this belly's going on top of you, baby. Okay, there we go.
0: Uh, well, I wanted to get your guys' take on the fact that there are no tag team matches on the SummerSlam card this year. How do you feel about tag teams? They put them in a battle royal, baby. <laughs> 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 that is that is true. It is a large... It, what's the list here? Uh, yeah, get them in the battle royal. <laughs> Well, Chad, how do you feel about tag, like a tag match not being featured on the card, especially in the wake of the comments Kevin Owens made, I think, just yesterday, about how he feels that the tag titles have kind of taken a little bit of a fall since they beat the Usos for him at WrestleMania?
2: Well, okay. You want them to be featured in a prominent way, like on every show, right? Because they do add value, like a value that I don't think they're always given, like the level of respect that they deserve. Because in my opinion, tag team wrestling, has the potential to tell like the most beautiful stories of any type of match we do straight up tag team match can tell the most beautiful story Um, so yeah you want to see it on that level but not just because it's a big pay-per-view but because that means that they're also invested long-term in this if it's on tomorrow that means we're going to get it every week on tv that means it's going to be a central part of our show week to week to week and that's what is important to me being one of these things that like The people look forward to every week. They want to know the tag team story. They want to know what's coming up in the tag team division and have eyes locked on that. It was like, that was part of my favorite part of the run that we had with RK-Bro. It was like, I feel like the stuff we were doing was not only in-ring so awesome, but like entertainment-wise, the segments were great. And tag team wrestling was like elevated at that time because of that. And the crowd was into it. It was important to them. That's what I want out of it.
0: Do you feel like... With Vince McMahon coming back to the creative fold, the tone towards tag wrestling has changed as opposed to when Triple H was more in charge of creative overall?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen a, a massive shift as far as that goes. It's just our business always goes in waves, whatever it is, you know, it's a roller So like, you'll see things peak for a while and then that dips off. We focus on something else. It's just the nature of what we do.
0: Well, I want to thank you guys so much for the time. Best of luck in the Battle Royal. I hope you guys come out on Jim top. Jim! <laughs>